0: love and your word and the way that you have stood for us God the way that you've pressed in for our sake God the way that you have fought the good fight for our souls Lord and we just praise you for that this morning God I pray that you'd open our hearts and our minds that we might understand your the depths and the width of your love in a greater way this morning that we might be strong warriors for your name. In your son's name, amen. All right, well, this morning we're continuing in the Gospel of John. So if you want to turn to John chapter 18, we'll pick up the story there. And while you're doing that, I'm going to share a little bit about my family. It's always kind of an interesting thing to share about. But um, So on my dad's side of the family, my dad's side of the family came from a long line of Mennonites. Anybody know what Mennonites are? Heard of Mennonites? No one? Okay. Most people have it. <laughs> think Okay, think Amish and Mennonites are sort of the liberal wing of the Amish, right? It doesn't take much to be liberal when you're com- being compared to the Amish, but they're sort of the liberal wing of the Amish. They kind of split with the Amish early in or late in the two centuries ago. Uh, so, but they are, what they're primarily known for is they are pacifist okay they they believe based on their understanding of the bible that they shouldn't engage in conflict w- particularly war armed conflict so they're pacifists so uh you know they started out in sort of northern europe part of the reformation a branch of the reformation and uh, because they took this stand they were always do- they're the, sort of the earliest do- uh, draft dodgers they're always dodging the draft so when uh, they were at risk of being brought into uh, the military and in Holland, Northern Germany area, they migrated to Russia under Catherine the Great. And their, their, the way they provided for themselves is they're primarily wheat farmers. So Catherine the Great said, hey, come to kind of this Lithuanian area, bring your winter wheat, farm here, become the bread basket of Russia and we'll, and I won't force you in, into the Army. So that's what they did. They moved there. Eventually, Catherine the Great was not great anymore and lost power, and they were once again threatened with the draft. So they immigrated again, and they immigrated to Kansas and Canada. All right? So now they're in Kansas, and they brought – what did they bring with them? They brought winter wheat, which is why you see tons of wheat in Kansas. It's also, this is a little trivia, it's also why we have tumbleweeds in the southwest. Tumbleweeds are actually not native of North America. They came from Russia, mixed in with all that grain for winter wheat. And, of course, they're a very, they're very effective plant, right? So they just, white, they just took over the southwest. So that's, that's um, a little bit of my family background. And the reason I share that is, again, because they're pacifists. And that's always kind of been a question. It's like, well, what does it mean to fight the good fight? And if Christ is our example, wasn't Christ meek and wasn't, didn't he uh, mar- ultimately martyr himself, right? Didn't he not take up the sword and, and tell his disciples to take up the sword and fight for him? Should we not all be pacifists? What does it mean to fight the good fight? And, and I think what we discover is it's really fighting the good fight as a believer, as a Christian, there's a lot of paradox involved because of, Whole list of things that we're going to get into. So let's go. Let's get into this passage. So Jesus has just finished his high priestly prayer, uh, praying for his disciples, and also not only praying for his disciples, but praying for those who believe because of their witness, because of their word, because of what they've shared about Christ. That, that means us, right? We are those who believe because of the witness of the disciples. So Jesus, not only praying for his disciples, but he pray- was praying for us in this high priestly prayer. And now we go into chapter 18, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. All right. So when a mob of people show up at night with lanterns and torches and clubs and weapons, what do you think? You think they're spoiling for a fight, probably? Yeah? I think so. So what? what, has, what, what how does Jesus respond to this? Verse 4, then Jesus, knowing, catch this, knowing all that would happen to him. What's all that would happen to him? What does he know is going to happen to him? Only what he's been saying for the, like the past at least six chapters, right? I'm going to Jerusalem to die, okay? I know I'm going to the cross. I know I'm going to, I am the sacrificial lamb. I'm going to sacrifice myself to atone for your sins, right? He knows that that's what's going to happen to him. So knowing that that's where this is going, Jesus said, and I love this turn of phrase, Jesus came forward and said to them, whom do you seek? I love Those two words, that he came forward. I mean, when a mob of people show up, you know, with clubs and weapons and torches, is your first instinct to go forward? And it really demonstrates, you know, is is Jesus, the fact that Jesus willingly went to the cross, does that mean he's, he's weak, that he's fearful, you know, that he's shying away from conflict? Obviously not, right? What does he do? He presses forward. He steps in. I had a friend who uh, was, was uh, in the Marine Corps, and he was talking about some of the basic training in the Marine Corps. And he said one of the first things they train you, train you in the Marine Corps is the moment you start taking fire and your gut instinct is to cut and run and duck and cover and, f- and find cover and, and, and run from the point of fire, they train you actually to do just the opposite to face it, to turn toward where the fire is coming from and engage it and press into it. That's, that's, th- that's, that's, count, that's counterintuitive, right? And that's exactly what Jesus does. Jesus presses into that. And I would say that he, pr- he presses in for our sake as well. Why is he pressing into this crowd of, of this mob? He's interceding on the behalf of the disciples, right? We're going to see that in just, in just this moment. Um, verse 4, Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to him, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to him, I am he. That I am he, as you may recall, we've talked about this a number of times, that phrase in, in the original language is ego ami So the translators translate it as I am he so that just the punctuation works better in English to say I am he. But the literal translation is I am. I am is a declaration of God, of Jesus as, as his, sorry, it's Jesus declaring himself as God. When Jesus says I am he's saying I am God. And there's all kinds of of language in the Old Testament right up through the New Testament where God expresses and declares himself using that same sort of language. Just to give you a flavor of it, a taste of it, you're not going to see it on the board, uh, but I'll just read it to you real briefly, just to give give you a sense. I'm going to go in Isaiah. uh, There's a couple places. I'm going to go Isaiah 45. And you can turn there if you have your Bible handy. But I'm going Isaiah 45 verse five. This is God talking, and he says, "I am," there's that phrase, "I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God." That's God saying, "Hey, I am it. I am the God. There is no other." right? You think of God? You're thinking of me, right I equip you though you do not know me." It's interesting. What has Jesus been doing for the past three and a half years? He's been equipping these disciples. And frankly, he's been equipping these disciples to fight the good fight. And we're going to look into what that good fight is. I equip you, though you you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. So this is God saying, it's, "It's me. I'm the prime. I'm the prime mover. I'm the one that is God." And the, and Jesus is using the same phrase, the same kind of idea, to declare Himself, "I am." And of course, th- the power of that gets revealed in the way that the crowd reacts to that. So if we go back to um, go back to John eighteen. How does the crowd react? Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to him, I am he. Jesus who betrayed him was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. All right? What happens every time God shows up, particularly in the Old Testament? God's going to reveal something. God shows up in some powerful way with some person who's, who God is going to make a prophet, generally what happens is that person falls on his face in fear and trembling, right? And so we see the same thing happening here. We see this mob who's armed and ready to go, ready to, you know, take, take Jesus as prisoner. They just fall over at the word, I am. I am he. Jesus is actually saying, I am. Ego me. So this is a clear, again, once again, and it's been over and over again, we get these clear declarations of Jesus Jesus being God. You know, when, uh, when our son was a young guy, I think maybe nine years old, something like that, uh, we took our son and, and our niece, his cousin, and they're about the same age, we took them miniature golfing one time. And we're at this miniature golf place, and we had this round of miniature golf, and then we're at the place. I th- I, it's, it's been a while, but I think it was like a pizza area where you can get your pizza and order food and drink and all that. And so um, we had ordered our food, and for some reason, I can't remember. Donna probably remembers better than I can. Uh, our son Brandon and his cousin Heather went up to the counter to get something, order something else. I don't remember what it was. So they're standing patiently at the counter waiting for the person to serve them, And as they're standing there, this big old dude, and this guy was like, he was this big ripped guy. He comes marching up, and he sees them standing there, and he's like, two little kids, I don't care. And he just steps right in front of them. Just totally steps right in front of them. Well, Donna saw this, (laughs) and it's like, okay, Mama Beer is out, right? And she just like jumped up and went, like charging up there and stepped right in front of this guy and then looks at the poor attendant behind the counter is like watching all this go down goes these two are next right and i i hi- I hardly had like i haven't even like really moved yet i'm just watching this happen i was like wow and i'm thinking okay my wife is writing a check i'm not sure i can cash man <laughs> this guy's pretty this guy's pretty he looks like he can handle himself but i like you know what it's the good fight. If I'm going to go down, I'm, it's, I'm going down for a good cause, right? So, but the guy was so like, so um, I don't know, blown away by the the intensity of, of of Mama Bear's you know strength that he just backed away, which was awesome. So that was one of the moments where I'm like, I love my wife; she's awesome. So, and and I just see Jesus. I I see that picture here with Jesus, with him stepping forward and saying. Hey, I am. I am God. I'm God in the person. What do you, you know, who do you seek? And, they, and he has a very, he's very purposeful in asking that question. Who do, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus and Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Yada, yada, uh, sorry. You shouldn't say yada, yada in reference to scripture, right? That's not, that's not like not a good way to, sorry. Uh, I just read that. So continuing on to verse uh, I'll reread verse 6. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. Isn't that awesome? The way Jesus is just standing for his disciples at that moment. And, And that is actually a fulfillment of scripture. There's a scripture that says, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will flee, right? So Jesus is being struck, but he's making sure that the sheep are able to escape. You know, let these men go. Verse 9, this was to fulfill the word that he spoke. Oh, there it is. (laughs) This was to fulfill the word that he spoke. He had spoken, of those whom you have given me, I have lost not one. Verse 10, Okay, now here's, here comes Peter, right? Peter's one of our favorite apostles for having maybe the right strategy but the wrong tactic. And Peter doesn't fail us at this point. He said, verse 10, then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. I always wondered, I always thought, why cut off his ear? Why? What was Peter going for the ear? You know, it's like, why would you cut off the ear? That seems kind of, kind of ineffectual and kind of mean-spirited both at the same time right and I started thinking and I I thought about it it's like you know what actually he he probably wasn't going for the air he's going for he's going for the death blow, right he's going right down the middle of the head when uh some of you guys remember on our last retreat men's retreat our the whole theme of our retreat was spiritual warfare and so Don Nakagawa who is a Don in Kendo you know what Kendo is Kendo is like samurai sword fighting but they use, like, these hardwood swords and put on all this really cool armor and gear, and So we did that on the men's retreat. And we actually had a little mini tournament, and we all got suited up and had the sword fight. So, um, of course, I wanted to volunteer because that was cool, right, to put on all this stuff, the helmet and everything. And, of course, my opponent was John Santa. Where's John? Is he back with the kids? <laughs> <laughs> there he is. There's John. So if you don't know John maybe later you'll notice that he you know he's pretty he's pretty strong dude and he's much much younger than me and we're in the mountains so I'm thinking all right I got probably a good couple strokes in me before I before I tap out right because before I start breathing hard and can't can't really can't really do much with John so I'm thinking okay here's my strategy my strategy is just go for the kill right out, right out of the gate. Don't don't hesitate. Don't wait for nothing. Forget finesse. Just go for it. And Donna showed us, okay, two couple basic moves. And the simplest, easiest move, wha- you start out with a sword, you know, out in front of you, and you keep the tip right at the level of the throat, right. That way, if the guy charges you, what's he going to run into? He's going to run into the sword right at the throat, right. So I've got this, I've got the sword right there because it's like John, you come at me, man, <laughs> right at the throat, man. So. So Don says go. He's, he uses a Japanese Japanese word. I don't know what it is. But anyway, we go for it. And, and the, the stroke I go for, which is the easiest one, is just like straight up and straight down. Right? Boom. Straight up, straight down. So I went for it. I don't remember if I made contact or not, John. I know you made contact three or four times subsequent <laughs> to that. <laughs> By the end, I was like totally defensive and thinking, okay, is it time yet? man <laughs> I'm getting whooped. So, Peter is going for it. Peter takes, takes the death stroke, probably glanced off, maybe the guy had a helmet or maybe John missed a little bit, but he chops the ear instead of down the middle of the skull. Another gospel, uh, one of the parallel passages in another gospel says that Jesus, subsequent to Peter cutting off his ear, actually healed him. Can you imagine being that servant? This crazy guy comes at you, chops off your ear, and then Jesus walks up and picks up the ear and puts it back on you and heals him. That's incredible just and again it it reveals the paradox of christ and the paradox of how christ fights because on one hand he is standing for his disciples on the other hand he's healing the ear of his one of his opponents right so how what is that how do we what does it mean to fight the good fight how do we stand in this place of conflict and if and sometimes i think in southern california we live—we live well relative to the rest of the world. I had a pa- heard a pastor recently say, "You know what? If you have change in your pocket, or you've got change in a little bowl next to your bed someplace, you're wealthier than some ridiculous number. I don't remember what it was 90% of the world, whatever the number is. Right? I, so we're well taken care of. We generally live at peace. We have great weather, more or less. A little hot, but you know. Um, so it's easy to lose sight of the fact that we live in a war zone. You know, as C.S. Lewis said, we live on a planet populated by a criminal race of angels. That's how C.S. Lewis put it. We live in a war zone. And we, whether we realize it or not, we are engaged in battle. And we need to understand how it is that we fight that battle, how, how, what it means to fight that good fight. So one answer is you draw the sword, right? And you go for the death stroke and you just go right at it. And you, and you, and you try to kill the guy in the flesh to protect who? And this is a key question when you're fighting and you're fighting the good fight and you're trying to figure out, am I fighting the good fight? The key question is, who are you protecting and why and what for and for what purpose? Jesus is protecting his disciples from being arrested at this point because he has a mission for them. He has a greater cause. And the key one of the key questions is, what is your mission? What's your cause? Right. Right. Continuing with verse 11. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? And what is that cup? I think we all know. The cup is that Jesus is going to the cross. Jesus spent, just prior to this, again in another parallel passage, Jesus just spent hours sweating blood, wrestling, and talking to his Father about what he was about to do what he was facing on the cross. Both the shame of of being arrested like a criminal, going through a kangaroo court, and then having the Romans nail him to a cross, and the ultimate cost for Christ becoming sin. Him who knew no sin became sin in our place. For God, who knew no sin to become sin in our place, that is sacrifice. And that is what Jesus was sweating blood about in the Garden of Gethsemane just prior to all of this happening. So how shall we fight? What's, what is the good fight? I, uh, kind of the, the uh, sub, subtitle uh, for this message comes from 1 Timothy 6.12. Paul uses that term, fighting the good fight. He says, fight the good fight of the faith. All right, so it's related to faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul's saying, you know, fight the good fight. Take hold of the eternal life that you have in Christ. Take hold of it. Be faithful to that. Be faithful to Christ. And really, the answer to the question, how is it that we fight the good fight we find in Christ himself? How did Jesus fight the good fight? And a huge clue here is this last verse, verse 11. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? The way Jesus fights the good fight is by being faithful to his Father. That's how you fight the good fight. You fight the good fight by being faithful to God, to his word, to the love that he has for you, to the plan and the mission that he's called you to and to the tactics that he wants you to use in fighting this good fight. So I want to look at some of those tactics that Jesus is using. I want to look at his strategy and, and he, as well as some of the tactics. So his overall strategic goal is to be faithful to the Father, right? Shall I shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? The answer, of course, is no. And he's, he resolved that just a few hours before the, this when he... When Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. You know what? Jesus was just distraught. He w- I love the way uh, Mel Gibson captures this in his movie, The Passion. If you've watched that movie, I recommend it. It's really a great exposition on really what Jesus went through uh, as he fought the good fight. But but he is just distraught and he's literally sweating blood over this call that the father has put on him that he suffer in this way and that he becomes sin for our place and by the way i don't think the struggle or the fight so to speak is whether or not he would be faithful to the lord being faithful to his father is a foregone conclusion that's why he came into the world and that's the relationship they've had from before time so that's never the question what he was distraught over what he was suffering what the reason he's sweating blood was he was facing the ramifications of his faithfulness to his father, right? He knew what he was about to go through. He knew he was about to come, become sin for our sake. And, his, and he said, Father, is there any other way? Is there any other way we can accomplish this? And yet, not my will, but thine be done. All right, so that's how he fights the good fight. He fights the good fight by being faithful to his father. Couple tactics, couple, couple um, approaches Jesus uses to fighting this good fight, uh, and it really reveals itself in in a, the earlier chapter during Jesus' high priestly pra- prayer. If you go to John seventeen six eight, Jesus says, "I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me." and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. All right, so what Jesus is saying here is look, my mission was to reveal the Father to you. My mission is to not only reveal the Father to you, but to atone for you that you might be brought into fellowship and relationship with the father that you would be adopted into this family and that you would be one with me and that you would be with one with the father just as the father and I are one that we would be together and we would be in close relationship that's my mission my mission is to bring you into relationship with the father right and the the way that I'm going to do that is I'm I'm revealing to you who the father is and how does he reveal the father is he just shows up what 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 is what does he say when, I think it's Philip, right, who says, you know, show us the Father and then we'll be satisfied. And, and Jesus says, you've been with me this long and you still don't know who I am? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm patterned, the Father and I are patterned after each other. And my mission, my goal here is for you to know the Father through knowing me. Not only that, a key tactic is for me to sacrificially give my life up for your sake so that you can know the father so that you can be connected to him so his goal is to connect us with the father tactic number one is to re- reveal the father to us and reveal who he is and that's what he's been doing with his disciples for these past three and a half years of course the other tactic is that he is going to the cross that he's going to shed his blood and, it, and he says it a hundred different ways and the disciples have a hard time getting it but he just keeps saying hey I'm going to Jerusalem to die, and I'm going to Jerusalem to die, to atone for your sins, to ransom you from your captivity. I love the way Isaiah says it, uh, Isaiah 53. Just, I, I, I love the whole chapter. I encourage you to read that whole chapter on your own time, but just a couple verses, 53. I'm going to read four and five. I think four may not be on the screen, but anyway. four. surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. Love that trade. Catch that trade there? He took the chastisement so that we can have the peace. And with his wounds we are healed. I love that passage. So that's one of Christ's. Key tactics is that he gives himself up to cover our sin that we might be brought into fellowship with the Father. So that's how Jesus fights. And we we need to be careful to n- not misunderstand Jesus going to the cross as a sign of weakness or a sign of him just being this passive guy who's just letting things happen. No, he went to the cross on purpose, In fact, he chose the time and the place to go on the cross. At one point, Jesus says, look, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down. Don't you realize I I could just one word to the Father and I could have 10,000 angels at my side to to defend me. In fact, when uh, after Jesus is arrested later on in John. Sorry, back there real quick actually in the same chapter of John, just a bit ways down, I think it's in verse 36. There's a really good, I think Jesus is having a conversation with Pilate. And Pilate's like, you know, all these people are accusing you. Why don't don't you defend yourself? Why aren't you pushing back? And of course he's not because he's fulfilling the scripture that says he didn't open his mouth to defend himself. So he he has this exchange with Pilate. I think it really reveals... Jesus and, and his strategy. Verse 36 says, Jesus answered, uh, Pilate, he said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I, not, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose, here it is, for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. What? To bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And, of course, the key truth is who is the father and what is his plan for you? And his plan is that you be connected to him, that you be his child, that you you have fellowship with him, that you live for eternity with the father. Verse 38, Pilate said to him, what is truth? And, of course, this reveals the essential aspect of our fight. It's a fight between truth, God saying this is the truth, and the world saying what is the truth. You know, what is the truth? Who can know what the truth is? It's all relative, right? But Jesus came into the world to say, no, truth is truth is absolute. And this is critical. Your eternity depends on you being atoned for for me suffering in your place this is true so a couple things the way Jesus fights a he reveals God he's a faithful witness he came into the world to be a witness of the truth right and b he gives his life for those of us who will receive him right he sacrifices himself so if that's the way Jesus fights then that's the way we're also called to fight. And again, it's kind of a paradox, right? What does it mean to fight as a martyr and how is martyrdom being su- being successful? Not all of us are gonna be martyred, right? Probably most of us won't. If we were living in, you know, Northern Iraq or North Korea or someplace like that, I'd say, oh, it might be a good chance that we would be martyred or at least in prison, right? But what does it mean to live our lives sacrificially? And and the answer is Christ as the model. That the um, A verse, I think, that really expresses this paradox that I keep alluding to really well is, is found in Revelation. If you go to Revelation 15, starting in... Uh 12, sorry. Revelation 12, verse 10. I knew something was wrong. I'm like, this is not looking right. All right, Revelation 12, verse 10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Okay, any doubt about God's power and authority at this, you know? Listen to that language. The authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God, saying, Jesus has defeated Satan. He's thrown down the dragon. Verse 11. And they have and they have and they is us. They is his disciples. They are people who put their faith and hope in Christ. Verse eleven, and they have conquered him, him being Satan. They have conquered Satan. By what? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Notice the same two things. The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Right? We fight by being a witness, by giving a word of testimony. And like I said, shared before a few weeks ago, I think a lot of times we're kind of freaked out by that. I'm not qualified to be a good witness. I don't know the Bible as well as I need to know the Bible in order to be a good witness. I don't have a doctorate, you know, in divinity. How can I be a witness? But what does witness mean? What does it mean to be a witness? It means you just show up, you take your seat in the witness chair, and you say what you know, right? Whatever you know, that's what you know, and that's what you share. That's what it means to be a witness. And what are you witnessing to? You're witnessing to who Jesus is who the Father is, and the work of Christ, that he atoned for us through his blood. That's, how, that's the core of our fight. That's the tactic of our fight, to be a witness of Christ's atoning work, Christ's blood, even, by the way, if it means our own blood, even if it means we die for it, right? And that's the paradox. How can dying be a victory? And notice that these th- these saints that these verses are talking about, in verse eleven, it said, uh, they, uh, it says, for they love not their lives even unto death. S- they're dying for their faith. That's the paradox. We the way we fight is by being a witness of who f- the Father is, and Jesus atoning for us with His blood, even if it means we are marginalized. Right. That's what it means for us Southern Californians. It doesn't mean we're put in prison. doesn't mean that we're going to be killed by the sword. But it may mean that we're marginalized, right? For a long time, I, I felt like, you know, I wasn't going to really sort of share Christ or let people know as a Christian until, until I kind of felt like I got to know them a little bit because I didn't want to be prejudged. I didn't want to be like, oh, you're that Bible thumper guy, you know, out of the gate. I just don't want to be known that way. But you know what? That's the cost of our battle. That's what it means to be a faithful witness. And we're not going to charm, ultimately, we're not going to charm anybody into heaven, okay? It's not, it's not going to be your great social skills that convince or convict anybody of their sin or motivates them to want to come into heaven. If it is, then... I kind of worry about that person and and really what where they are with the Lord. Because at the first con- sign of conflict what's going to happen? They're probably just going to bail because we can't do this. Let me let me let me go here. As I'm talking about this is there a part of you that's saying, "How can I, you know, <laughs> I'm not I'm, I'm not a disciple living in the first century. I'm not Paul of Tarsus who gets stoned to death and then Gets, stands up and brushes himself off and goes right back into the city to preach some more. I'm not that guy. How do I do this? How do I remain faithful? How do I look my boss in the eye and be the Bible geek? You know? How do I look at my neighbor and say, hey, you know, I'm going to a Bible study. You want to come with me? How do I do that? And the reality is, as Paul said, it's the love of Christ who compels us. And if you want to be effective in this good fight, if you want to be, make a difference in terms of having this good fight you really need to understand the love of the lord and how much he loves you and how much he has revealed himself to us if you're willing to to look if you're willing to pay attention right so i just want to close with that i want to end with this thought that if you you may be in a couple different places this morning and maybe in all the above but you may feel like you know what i've i I'm just not a great witness. You know, I rarely open my mouth and share my faith. Sometimes I do things that, you know, people look at and go, oh, hypocrite. And I want to encourage you, you know what? Start with the love of God. Start with how much the Lord loves you, how much he has revealed to you, and press into that. There's always so much more for us to learn about the Father. I think often we think, okay, I lo- I, because I know so much more today than I knew five years ago, I've somehow kind of, sli- I've, I've arrived and I, I've learned what I need to learn about the father. But if you feel that way right now about where you were five years ago, guess how you're going to feel five years from then. You're going to look five years from now, you're going to look back at now and go, God, man, I didn't have a clue. There's so much I was missing, so much I didn't quite get. So I want to encourage you, press into what Jesus has revealed about the father. And a great place to do that is any one of the studies, by the way. Being here on Sunday morning is a good way, right? And your own devotion time, your own Bible study time. And it's not about doing your duty. It's about pressing into the love of Christ and how he has interceded for you. The second point is, um, and I made this point before, you just got to do it. You just got to say it. You just got to be a witness. You just got to share what you know. Use whatever God has given you as a bridge. It's funny, I didn't, this wasn't my tactic, wasn't my strategy, but um, I did a quick, I did an illustration for the women's retreat uh, for the Good Shepherd on my my iPad and kind of happy with the way it came out. So I've had my iPad at work. (laughs) Anyone who walks into the design department, I'm like, hey, you want to see my latest latest illustration? I'm like, sure. And I flash them this picture of the good shepherd with the sheep on his shoulders. And I say, you know the term good shepherd? You know, Jesus was known as the good shepherd. And they're like, oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, okay. And it's like, what? what?" Uh, and I didn't plan that. It just kind of happened spontaneously that way. And I think that as we press into the Lord and as we engage in him and we walk in his love and we're learning more and more about him, there are bridges that just appear in front of us that he provides opportunities for us to, make a connection with somebody and say, hey, look at Jesus. And that's the goal. The bottom line, how do we fight the good fight? We make much of Jesus. We make much of how he is atoned for us, right? We make much of who he is as God who came in the flesh. That's how we fight the good fight. And sometimes that means being really tough and really pushing back and really pushing in with somebody, and we shouldn't be afraid of that, right? Just like my wife stand up to that dude shouldn 't we you know Jesus was not motivated by fear at all, he was motivated by love, and that needs to be our motivation that we press in with people out of love and that 's another key checkpoint is you know what 's your motivation? is it coming from a place of love or is it coming from a place of anger? Scripture says the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, so if you find yourself in a fight and you find yourself angry and you 're about and it's all about you and protecting yourself and protecting your name, you need to check yourself. But if it's about Jesus and his name and the work that he has done for your opponent, then go for it. Press in, take the swipe, pull the sword, go for it, right? I think let's not hold back. you know it? This world is perishing, and shame on us if we're just if we just idly sit back or passively watch it drive off the cliff. You know, we need to pull the sword and we need to stand for people and press in for people. And a lot of times people won't understand that we're pressing in for their sake. But you know what the Lord does? And that's where we got to stand just as Jesus stood there. Amen. All right, let's pray. Jesus, uh, again. uh, It just blows me away how much you have pressed in for our sake how much you surrendered, how much you gave up for our sake. The Almighty, the God who created heavens and earth, the God who knit time and space together, chose to become a human being and to live in the squalor of the first century Near East. And, and most people, most difficult of all, Lord, to to take on our infirmities, to take on our weakness, to take on our sin, to become sin for us, God, that you might ransom us from our sins and come into fellowship with you and come into relationship with you, that we might live forever in your presence and your love and your great joy. Father, help us to stand for joy. Help us to stand for the salvation of those around us, for our neighbors, for our workmates, for our friends, for our family. God, help us to be bold in your love, even when it hurts, even when we have to sacrifice, God. Strengthen us, empower us through your Holy Spirit to be a faithful witness. In your son's name, amen.